Hey, really quickly, just wanted to let you know that the Inspiring Talk podcast is now available in video format on YouTube. If you'd like to watch this conversation, you can head on to our YouTube channel, Bizay Gautam. While you are at it, show us some love and subscribe to the channel so that you won't miss the upcoming episodes. I'll put the link in the description of this episode. I think like one of the biggest things that I would want out of kitchens is seed oils itself, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of people are surprised when I say that the first use of seed oils, like canola oil and all, they were used in the lubricant industry. Oh, They were not even used in the food industry. Wow. Humans have a very good ability to tolerate carbohydrates and sugar. Just that white sugar is a product of industrialization. Mm. These things called phytates and tannins. So these mm. again bind to iron. So a lot of people end up with iron deficiency yeah. anemia because they're eating so much spinach in the hope of getting iron. I wouldn't really uh, recommend eating too many vegetables to kind of feel healthy. It is propaganda. Actually, vegan, there is a lot of, again, money spent on vegan propaganda, right? So mm. there's a lot of books and documentaries and articles that came about around that time, short-term impact of making that lifestyle change sometimes gets attributed to veganism because beyond six months, beyond like one year, the vegan diet will start showing its problems itself. Damn, this sounds scary. From Wine Studio, you are listening to The Inspiring Talk a show where I bring the conversations with today's most successful and inspiring personalities to help you take your life, business and career to the next level. Let your food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. Hippocrates, the father of medicine, said this back in 400 BC. And in today's episode, we're going to exactly talk about the concept of using food as the medicine. How you can use the food that you consume on a day-to-day basis to reverse some of the chronic illness or prevent some of the threatening diseases which are costing you years of your life. And to help us understand the concept of functional nutrition, how we can use food as the medicine to reverse our diseases and get healthy lifestyle, I have invited Mugda Pradhan. Mugda is the founder of iThrive, a functional nutrition-based company where they work with people to analyze the root cause and give simple solutions like lifestyle change and change in the dietary habits to reverse chronic illness like thyroid, diabetes, and so on and so forth. This conversation with Mugda completely blew my mind because She has shared some of the things that you and I thought were healthy, but are doing a lot of harm to our body. For instance, the mustard oil in your kitchen is doing more harm than benefit to your body. And you think that eating green, like leafy green vegetables, are not good for your health either. I was blown away with the amount of information that Mugda shared in this episode. And no wonder. With her company, she's able to heal and reverse so many diseases. And this episode is nothing short of a masterclass on functional nutrition. Using food as your medicine, like Hippocrates said. Make sure that you make a lot of notes from this episode and pay attention because there are so many things that we're going to discuss in this episode. Everything about the foods that you should eat 
on a regular basis, the foods that you should absolutely avoid, why sugar can be a good thing for your body and a lot of insights. Let's get started. Mugla, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Vijay. I'm excited too and I'm glad we could actually sit here and I think after two years, two, two and a half years, actually talk to each other. Yeah. So I'm excited about this and uh, I'm looking forward to a really, really great interaction and seeing what comes yeah. out. When we met, you know, in Shimla 2019 at yeah. that event, um, I vaguely remember that you said that, hey, you know what? I met this lady who talks about like there is something, this whole world called functional nutrition where right. you can heal your body right. with the alternative ways than, you know, the medicine conventional or this you know modern medicine and that's all the conversation that we had and after that like I was exposed to this whole world where then I heard that hey you know what your body has the mm. ability to heal itself right so I think let's begin there sure um, hmm. so this is something I can speak about endlessly right like how smart the body is when it comes to allowing itself to heal so even disease the way it's looked at in conventional medicine right often disease is like what is this? It's like some symptom happening to you. Either you're having a headache or maybe you're gaining weight or you have digestive issues, right? So that's a symptom and your body is trying to communicate with you that something's going wrong. Uh, I'll explain what that communication is all about. But the ability to heal, right? Like suppose you understand the message well. You are able to interpret what is the message. Okay, wait, what saying. do you mean the message well? So the symptom itself, right? Mm -hmm. That symptom is what I call the message, right? You get a notification. That notification can be an email, that notification can be a WhatsApp message, that notification can be a Telegram message. You have to open that app and like read the message and then make sense. Or it could even be a voice note or a video or something like that. Yeah. Similarly, when you have a symptom from your body, like I said, a headache or your stomach's hurting or your, um, you know, you have cramps in your legs or you're gaining weight or you're feeling fatigue and low on energy. Everything is a symptom. And every symptom is your body trying to communicate with you that, hey, something's wrong inside. Mm. I'm using this message to kind of tell you that, you know, something's wrong. Please, please take a look and fix it. Yeah. But what happens is we often get very scared of the symptom itself, right? Like, mm. um, I remember my mom when smartphones were a new thing, right? And like, every time a message would come, she was so used to the standard uh, landlines, ki phone baja to, just pick it up and yeah. answer. So she would be like, oh, there's a message, there's a message, there's a message. And I'd be like, that message is not going anywhere. Like, relax, I can mm -hmm. see it in my own time, right? So what happens with symptoms is we get very scared of the symptoms. I have a headache, I have to quickly make it disappear. Mm -hmm. I have a stomachache, let me take something to make that stomachache go away. I have some acidity, let me take an antacid, right? So often what most of us end up doing is uh, in an attempt to quickly get over the symptom, we fail to understand what the body is trying to communicate. And when we fail to understand what the body is trying to communicate, we actually fail to give it the healing support that it's looking for. Mm. Now, if you give it that support, maybe it's the right kind of food, maybe it's a nutrient that's deficient, maybe you're eating something that you're allergic to. We don't know until mm. we find out. But if you give your body that support, ki, hey, I read your message and here's my answer to it, the body will start healing itself. Right? Mm. So you don't need any external machines or you don't need any nuts and bolts fixing mm. things. You don't need to really hack your body, uh, which is what a lot of people are doing, right? Like mm. performance hacking, biohacking. Mm -hmm. You don't need to do too much of that to heal. I can understand where people like Dave Asprey are coming from, where they're like, you know, optimizing the performance, yeah. they're like taking it beyond, beyond the, next, the level. next level. That's, that's a different mm. ball game altogether. But if you come from a place of disease or dysfunction, mm -hmm. all that you need to do is just listen to what your body is trying to say. Mm. 
give it the answers it's asking like give it the solutions and it will use that and start healing itself it's a bio intelligent suit yeah. that you're operating right it yeah. really knows how to fix itself mm. and so, also i have heard a lot of yeah. animals in that case yeah. right so when they fall ill yeah, yeah, yeah. then you know they have this intelligence instinct like they are so yeah. in tune with yeah. nature right yeah. like i've always had puppies and dogs when mm. i was growing up and i've seen that like if that and most of them were stray animals like they mm. just come to my house when i'd be like at home so i'd seen that if they'd eaten something that was off or if they'd like eaten something that was not meant for them and you know they were feeling sick like you could make out they were lethargic and they were lying down i've often seen both dogs and cats do this they would go eat particular kind of grass and herbs because in whitefield where i grew up it was mostly like a village there was no concrete there was more like herbs and plants and grass all over the place right? so they'd go eat something and it would go and throw up and you know all of those signs like the fatigue and the lethargy the dog is just sitting like that the minute the throw up was done the dog would like just get up and start running around right so they knew or like um, even kids actually have that intelligence right like when a child when a baby is not really feeling well it might not really eat food he or she might like you know reject meals and all sometimes when you have an illness fasting is actually a good thing like you're giving your body the opportunity to heal and detoxify and do whatever it has to but as adults we kind of lose this intelligence right but animals have it yeah. children this have it they just don't it. eat like what i've also heard yeah. is like when animal you know they yeah. fall sick or something like that they just don't they eat they refuse food they refuse right? food yeah. they so refuse food. they allowing. might just drink a lot of water yeah. but they will not eat mm. right so it's the, they know what their body wants so mukta you you run i thrive and yes. uh, a lot of what you do at i thrive or most of what you do at i thrive is based on this concept called functional nutrition yeah. right so what is this all about so functional nutrition functional medicine both are interchangeable terms it's just that functional medicine is often used by doctors doctors right like who kind of come into this way of treating their patients and since i'm not like officially a doctor i'm a nutritionist uh, i i use the word functional nutrition more but the approach is that uh, like I, i spoke of uh, symptoms coming as messages right like the body is just trying to tell you something and it's it's giving you different different symptoms so the approach is instead of focusing on the symptoms which is what conventional medicine does like you go with a headache they'll give you a paracetamol right we don't do that instead of focusing on the symptom we try to ask the question what is really causing this symptom right so the approach is about the fact that before your body actually starts showing disease or dysfunction stuff is already going wrong inside now what is that stuff going wrong how do you find out what are the answers all of that your body is ready to tell you if you know to look where right you just have to look for it in the right place so functional medicine we use blood tests and we use a lot of data like other advanced tests also like stool test or things like that so we use a lot of tests to understand what is going on inside the body and we treat that so while we say we treat nearly 158 plus dis- different diseases right actually the label doesn't matter to us someone can come to us with diabetes someone can come to us with high bp someone can come to us with thyroid issues someone can come to us just for weight loss irrespective of what label they are carrying right like acha mujhe ye hai irrespective of that we are always going to look for what is happening in this person's body and once we look at that data we work on treating that automatically the external symptoms start resolving now when i say treat a lot of people think it's with medicines and with like the powders and uh, you know these jadi booties it's not that it's primarily food only so food is used as medicine 
80% of the work we do revolves around correcting people's eating patterns and what they really need to eat, right? Because maybe somebody's protein deficient and that's why they're having thyroid issues. Maybe someone doesn't have the right kind of fat going and that's why they're having some other issues. So we use food only as the primary healing modality. We do bring other things like um, sunlight exposure. I'll talk about that as well. But food is what heals the body. You just have to know what food has to be given to this particular person. And that answer will come from blood work only. And I love it because it eliminates any kind of guesswork. Because, you know, it's always very, very objective. So I have now been doing this since... So whatever is happening in your body reflects on your blood. In your blood test. And there's a way of analyzing that data. There are algorithms that you can... It's like actually mathematical sometimes, right? And the fact that it's so objective and it's so repeatable and like the fact that you can do it across any demographic is what really, to me, gives it immense credibility. Because, see, I have a master's degree in nutrition, but when it came to my own health problems, like when I was 97 kgs and I had an autoimmune condition and all that, my knowledge of that nutrition wasn't helping me. It's not like I didn't study that time in college, right? I had, but that was not helping, right? It's only when I discovered this world of functional medicine and I did my own blood test and I saw that, oh, I have like antibodies happening inside my body and I have a like extreme gluten sensitivity and I have these deficiencies. Let me fix all of that. Then my health started improving. And the fact that I could apply this technique across like thousands and thousands of people and it still continues to hold true is what like makes me fall in love with the system, right? Like the Data always tells the truth. Yeah. <laughs> like you can use this data. So it's not the guesswork that's happening here. There is you, no guesswork. You're looking at the blood test. You're yeah. looking at the reports. What's wrong in your body? And maybe let's say like you said, right? So if there is something, some parameter off that you see on your report, then that can manifest in maybe different kind of diseases. Yeah, depending on what depending your genetics on, are yeah. primed for, right? Mm. Now your parents might be primed. Uh, you could have diabetes running in the family. You could have heart problems running yeah. in the family. You could have an autoimmune thing. Mm. Like both parents could have psoriasis or something. Now, genetics are unique to each person. So is the environment and the lifestyle. But the combination of the two is what ends up expressing itself as disease in your body. So even mm. twins could have different conditions. Mm. Even if the underlying <laughs> yeah, even if the gene thing pool is, the, is the same, mm. but the environment is different. Life experiences are different. Friends are different. Traumas are different. So two people with the same genetics could still end up with different kind of dysfunctions. Mm. That is what we are able to catch mm. with the functional medicine approach, right? Like mm. looking at blood tests. Now we've even gone into DNA testing. Wow. So that's really deep. It's it's at another level altogether. Mm. So it's it's really exciting. It it feels like, you know, this is a new frontier of mm. uh, healing, healing people, and yeah. uh, like, you know, treating people. And the fact that the solution lies in your kitchen yeah. is what makes it even better. Yeah. But why is it so that this is not you know, discussed widely, mainstream, you know, talked about yeah. mainstream. Yeah. Why, why do you think so? Because I'm so glad that, you know, we're doing this and bringing yeah. this information to the people who are listening to this podcast. But, you know, this is not mainstream. Like the first thing that we know if anything goes off is go to the doctor and take those pills I, and heal the symptom. symptom. Treat the symptom. Yeah. I think that's also a function of how we've been raised and how we've been conditioned. Like even for me, when I was sick in 2017, I didn't think that the answers were in nutrition. The first thing I also did was I went to doctors. Yeah. Okay, I'm feeling like this, this is happening. Can you please explain what's going on? That I didn't get answers and all is like, I've spoken about it in many places. But I think it's how we are raised. Uh, even as little children, when we get sick, our parents first take us to a doctor, right? Mm. So we don't even know, like, 
animals and little children innately know the answer is in like just listening to their body but it's the adults that forget this mm. and over time i think because of how we kind of get caught in that loop that something's gone wrong let me first visit a doctor and let me first go to a hospital we forget that we can look for answers in our kitchen but if you go to your grandmother mm. they will always have kitchen based solutions right like okay if you're having uh, let's say diarrhea here's a little nutmeg and that'll help you if you're having sleepless nights here's a little poppy seeds and that'll help you like so many my, i remember my grandmother having a full repository of like herbs always in her head for anything that happened to us to me and my sister so that knowledge is there i think it's our modern day way of uh, growing up and like the conditioning movies mainstream media that's really made us forget it also uh, unfortunately medical curriculums don't really teach doctors um, how to treat chronic diseases if you look at medical curriculums right they're mostly a, a encyclopedia of pharmaceuticals that if this happens this is the medicine this happens this is the medicine this is the composition of this medicine this is the molecular formula this is how you calculate how much to give by weight by height and everything if medicines fail then here are the surgeries that you do if surgeries fail here are the implants that you do if that also fails here are the machines you put people on for life support that's their training right doctors like i've looked at it us india they don't really get more than 2 to 4 hours of nutrition education now most of the diseases that we are suffering with as a population as a species they are mostly lifestyle driven diseases and the ones we go to for treatment haven't been taught how to treat these so this is something that's a failing of the system itself that uh, it's so easy to heal these diseases with food but the ones you go to for solutions don't even know these things thankfully in the us now functional medicine has caught up a lot of practitioners like even mds and all of that are switching to this way of working with their patients and in india while we were the pioneers of bringing this now i'm seeing this actually group of people like there are doctors who really are compassionate right like they became doctors because they wanted to treat people and help them heal and all of that so i'm seeing a lot of doctors now adopting this particular practice in fact in the academy we run we have a lot of doctors signing up to learn how to do this work yeah yeah so we have doctors who are signing up with us now because they've also realized that you know it doesn't work what they've been taught doesn't work for acute issues doctors are always life savers i don't i don't dismiss doctors and i don't even dismiss allopathy if you have a very severe infection and uh, it's it's actually going to become life threatening you need antibiotics right or you get an injury um, there's like bleeding or you get a burn that needs like allopathy can save lives but it's for acute conditions when it comes to chronic lifestyle driven conditions then you have to look at long term things like you have to look for the reasons that made you sick in the first place and yeah. then fix those so mugha you said like the answer is in our food in yeah. in our kitchen so if we were to look at let's say uh, you know the indian kitchen and if we were to say like okay you know here are the things that we've been doing wrong now maybe back in the days our grandmothers they you know things yeah. used to be certain way and then we have messed up maybe because we wanted things in a different way much faster quicker so what would be few things like we can start with uh, you know yeah i think oils yeah. yeah yeah i think like one of the biggest things that i would want out of kitchens is seed oils itself right and a lot of people are surprised when i say that because let's even talk about what are seed oils so seed oils are seed or vegetable oils are oils that are coming in from uh, seeds like your groundnut sunflower uh, mustard sesame 
Now, a lot of these oils, people say that they have been traditional used. Like sesame seed oil is used popularly in the south. Uh, groundnut is what is used in the west. Like Maharashtra, Gujarat, groundnut oil is used. Up north, uh, you'll see a lot of uh, mustard oil. Mustard oil, yeah, yeah. That is used, right? But these oils really came into our consumption after industrialization came in because we did not have the technology to crush a seed and remove the oil out of it, fill it in a bottle and then use it for convenience, right? So it's really industrialization that bought it. And if you look at the first use of seed oils, like canola oil and all, they were used in the lubricant industry. Oh, They were not even used in the food industry. Wow. Even to date, the grease and lubricant industry, like uh, I thrive's the CEO comes from the lubricant industry background, right? But uh, grease, lubricant industry, they still use seed oils. These were not part of human consumption. It's just that the industrialized way of making these oils made them very cheap. And obviously, they're very, very high margin, high profit products, right? So it was very easy to kind of push them in the market. Now, the question then is what was used traditionally before these seed oils came? In the South, mostly it was coconut and coconut oil that was used as the fat source. Everywhere else, it was ghee. Most people had cows at their homes. Most people would kind of have milk and butter and curd being made at home and they would use ghee for cooking. Now the debate is on like the level of hormones and the injections that go into cows and the quality of the ghee and all of that, right? So you, there are ways to fi- work that around, right? Like I personally source butter from a local dairy where I know what they're feeding the cows, right? Like I just know the source. It's a very local guy. I'm not looking at these big brands or these marquee brands where there's no control. And then I buy butter from him and I make ghee at home. It doesn't take any time. Like twice a month I make ghee and it's enough for me. So these are the fats that we really need. Mm. So, but now uh, you mentioned like no seed oil. Then what happens with the seed oil? So why are seed Mm. oils bad, right? So seed oils are very high in a fatty acid called omega-6. So we've heard of omega-3s. A lot of people are taking omega-3 supplements. But there are omega-3, omega-6 and omega-9. Three kinds of fatty acids. So seed oils are very high in these omega-6 fatty acids. What omega-6 do to us, inherently, the signaling that they do inside our cells is they indicate that uh, it's winter is here. Like I, I'm not quoting uh, Game of Thrones, but they really indicate that because it's only in the absence of animal fats that humans might go and forage for nuts and seeds and look for them. So too much omega-3 goes into your cells and starts creating something called as insulin resistance, which then leads to diabetes. Okay, so... If you see how diabetes ka incidence globally has been increasing and you look at seed oil consumption, there's a huge correlation. Second, uh, seed oils also are quite inflammatory in nature. So they start damaging your cellular structure. So when we eliminate seed oils from people's diets, right, like uh, there are blood markers to see inflammation. You can look at CRP, ESR and all of that. But when we eliminate seed oils, just doing that one thing can start bringing down inflammation in the body. So inflammation comes down, it prevents diabetes from happening. Your cells also start functioning better when you remove seed oils, when you include more saturated fat. And um, how it translates externally. Now, this is internally, right? At a cellular level, no Mm. one's like taking a microscope and looking at cells. How it translates externally is you will start losing weight. You will start feeling more energetic. uh, Your brain will start functioning better because it's getting the right kind of fat. So that's why I say like if people think sugar is really bad, So white sugar, yes, it is bad, but seed oils, right? The problem is if you consume seed oil today at a cellular level, it can remain inside your body for 660 days. Wow. That's two years. Wow. Yeah. 
okay so sugar will still get processed within a day and it will get metabolized and eliminated from your body you'll feel a little groggy some people get hyper with sugar some people have that dopamine like you know they crash after a sugary meal but it's still a 24 hour journey unless you're consuming sugar every day but seed oils can remain in your body for that long right so it takes that long to reverse seed oil damage and it's something that again mainstream doesn't often talk about um you often so have so what are the alternatives then ghee ghee hmm. butter coconut oil and if someone's open to cooking in what's called as tallow like um, actual animal fat itself there are cultures that cook in that also right so more ancient like tribal people do that right where they take the animal fat itself for people who are vegetarian vegans this might sound a little too gross uh, but they cook in that right so those fats are very high in something called as stearic acid which is really good for your cells so ghee butter coconut oil in that order uh and if you're open to cooking in animal and also like what is the whole uh, you know if i just con- continuously use an coconut oil hmm. or like rotate uh, between these three or you know changing the oil or do you, you think you, like you, it's okay to just you can use coconut oil okay. um and ghee occasionally like if you're having let's say a nice dal khichdi and then you want some ghee on it you can add ghee right so you can do that but people who, who might be uh, vegans for ethical reasons religious reasons they don't want to have ghee then you can have coconut oil and it's still okay So you mentioned about sugar. Hmm. Sugar is like uh, so. There are a lot of proponents of like just the anti-sugar movement. Like don't have anything sweet at all and all. But if you understand how you the hear Bollywood celebrities saying that I haven't had yeah. that uh, uh, kaju katli <laughs> in so, kaju so many years. <laughs> but sugar itself, no. See, our brain yeah. runs on glucose, right? Like that's the primary fuel source, and in fact. that glucose is so important in our body that our liver makes glucose even if you are on a ketogenic diet where you are not having any carbohydrates any sugar your liver will still make glucose because that glucose is what it uses for energy that what your brain uses for energy even in periods of high stress right like trauma or any kind of physical stress inside your body glucose making immediately increases so glucose is a very important molecule so carbohydrates and sweet and we wouldn't have so many uh, uh, you know receptors for the sweet taste if it was not something that we were genetically supposed to process humans have a very good ability to tolerate carbohydrates and sugar just that white sugar is a product of industrialization right so fruits for example that are naturally sweet there's really no problem in having fruits organic like raw organic honey right so not the pasteurized uh, big branded honey where you don't know how much honey and how much sugar syrup <laughs> but if you really get honey from source yeah. right that honey is really great because it's close to nature like if you look at these hadza tribes and all of these actual hunter gatherer tribes are still small pockets of them left in the world right their focus is often on hunting like looking for animals to hunt and if they find honey they don't even go hunting they'll just go crazy with that beehive and they'll just be like it's like a party for them so because see if they know that it's the quickest source of energy without having to go on long hunts and all right udhar se immediately you're getting energy and it's delicious so all the wild hunter gatherer tribes actually celebrate honey and honey is really good so it's not that sweet stuff is bad for you but if you are metabolically damaged which means let's say you have type 1 or type 2 diabetes then too much honey or too many dates or too many fruits going in can cause problems then the goal should be to fix that issue and bring in these foods 
So let's talk about the packaged and processed food yeah. because we are so used to now having a lot yeah. of you know, packaged and processed food. And that's that's mm. a big culprit again when mm. it comes to like what really makes people sick, mm. like more and more sick, right? So packaged processed food and these uh, apps through which you can immediately order food mm. for yourself also, right? Because there's no control. See, when when you eat from your own kitchen, you know what's going making, in. Yeah. You're making your own food. One is you know the ingredients and secondly, you're making it for yourself. So there's a degree of like joy and love that's going into making that food. It won't really harm you. You also believe in the energy that goes in the food? Absolutely. Big time believer in that uh, that energetic aspect. And you can make out the difference between food that's been cooked with love and food that's been cooked just because for somebody's job to do so. But uh, processed food, right? Like anything that's coming out of a packet. Even if you take like something like a Tetra Pak orange juice. Now look at an orange in nature. You'd pick it from a tree, you'd just peel it and you'd eat it. If you kept it out on the table for maybe even one and a half, two days in that peeled form, it's going to spoil. Like in a day, it's going to spoil, it's going to attract flies, it's not going to remain the way it is. Versus a Tetra Pak orange juice. What happens for it to become a Tetra Pak orange juice is the orange is taken from a tree, it goes like storage, and then it goes through a machine that's going to crush it. As it's crushing, the peel is like sometimes going to go in it. So there are different, different tastes that are going to go. Enzymes are released. Things will start breaking down. So now to preserve that thing, preservatives get added. To make it taste like original orange juice, different things get added. To make it look like orange juice, different things get added. Right? Even if they're saying 100% natural, there are a lot of things that are permitted by FSCI that you can say this is 100% natural. Without having to like declare all of those ingredients. There is no way in real world that a glass of freshly ex extracted orange juice would last on the shelf for six months. It wouldn't, right? So think of what must have happened to that orange juice. When you eat food, your body has the information to break down food in its natural form. If you eat an egg, if you eat a banana, if you eat rice, your body knows how to break it down, how to digest it and how to absorb it. When you consume foods that really aren't even food anymore, right? Like they're just made to look like food. Things are added, things are removed. And it, it's just something that looks and tastes like food, but it's not really, really food. When that goes in like preservatives, colors, your body doesn't even have the genetic information to process it. So it's like if you were writing a line of code, right? You were, you were like a software engineer making some software and you were typing code and then you just put in random pieces that the software couldn't even read. You wouldn't get an app in the end. So not getting that app is basically disease, right? Like the, the app is health. So processed foods have way too many things added in them to make them taste good, to make them edit. Like there are, um, uh, these guys are called food engineers. A lot of these big uh, agriculture companies hire them and they work on this aspect called sensory hyperstimulation. So when our brain is stimulated with any kind of natural stimulus, it releases different neurotransmitters like dopamine, serotonin, all of these. But there are ways in which you can get your brain to get hyperstimulated. So it will release more of these. And that's why, you know, that thing that no one can just eat one. It's engineered to be that, right? It's, it's got the right proportion of salt is to fat, is to the spice, to the crunch. So when you eat one, you, crave you, for you more. light up, mm. right? Like a pinball machine, you light up wow. inside your head and then you want more and then you wow. want more. And then you're feeling sick by the time you finish that packet, but you couldn't stop yourself. Because someone figured out how to go into your biochemical circuits, your neuro circuits, and then make you addicted to Damn, food. this sounds scary. <laughs> it is, it is. Right? See, there's a lot of profit to be made out of 
getting us away from real food and getting us addicted to these foods there's also a lot of profit to be made from the human sickness like poor human health itself think of how many different industries profit from that so it's a pretty vicious cycle i mean i don't want to go too much into the uh, conspiracy theorist mode <laughs> that uh, gets activated <laughs> often but if you look at parent companies often the companies that own big brand pharmaceuticals are also the companies, companies that, that own uh, big agriculture yeah. plants right mm. so i am not naming any of them but you can trace it back pretty easily right so the ones that are making you sick are keeping you sick so that eventually you're just a profit unit for them wow wow <laughs> crazy stuff um so you know one of the things that uh, you know you mentioned is about the whole you know food and how processed and stuff like that and also this is the thing that you mentioned about anti nutrient when we're talking offline oh, yeah, right yeah, so yeah. first maybe you can you know share with our audience what anti nutrient is sure and then what are the most common anti nutrients which we think is healthy, healthy but we're just consuming it yeah so see anti nutrients uh, while i don't want to make them sound so evil and all of that mm. basically these are compounds that are often present in plants that prevent absorption of nutrients that's why they're anti nutrient okay now mm. why why are they present in plants so uh, if you look at like um, evolution it's like animals right when you try to hunt an animal it has the ability to run away it has the ability to defend itself with its claws and teeth and hooves and all of that plants can't move away so what plants have done is they've created a lot of biochemical defense mechanisms right so um, things like oxalates things like phytates things like uh, and i'll explain what these are but they have biochemical compounds inside them which kind of work as inhibitory mechanism right so an animal would not naturally eat something that is very rich in anti nutrients it will know when it one bite and it will know humans have found ways of cooking that will make everything taste good and we do it right so these anti nutrients so for example there are things called as oxalates oxalates are under the microscope if you look at them they are really these uh, sharp crystalline uh, structures that are there in a lot of plants including spinach now these oxalates are usually there mostly in leaves and seeds so when an animal chomps on a leaf the plant releases these oxalates so it becomes inhibitory what herbivores which is your cows and goats and all is they have evolved alongside these plants so if you look at how they eat a lot of these plants they eat with their mouth open they keep chewing a lot and there's a lot of saliva that comes out and they have enzymes that can break down these anti nutrients because they are herbivores they are designed to consume and then they have the ruminant stomach right like four pouches so as the food moves through their body it kind of becomes less and less toxic their systems are entirely different humans have not evolved to that degree with plants humans have always been hunter gatherers more than plant eaters right so we don't have all those defense mechanisms against these plant molecules so oxalates uh, if you're consuming a lot of like spinach and almond milk uh, or you know even like a lot of these green leafy vegetable smoothies you could end up with oxalate over consumption and these could then become stones in the body because these are crystals right so what your body will do to bind oxalate it will use calcium so you'll end up with calcium oxalate stones in the kidney and that can actually deplete calcium from your body i was like this plant based vegan nutritionist for nearly 2 years right and then what happened was because i was also doing a lot of these smoothies and everything uh, i started feeling like even post workout my recovery was not faster and everything and then i i started getting these aches in my back and my neck so i went and got a x ray first and then i got a more detailed mri done and uh, my bones actually were aging faster than my actual age 
so it it looked like a older right so what the doctors like the bone mineral density has come down more like a 50s person so hadn't i paid attention to the symptoms that i would have been like oh this ache and pain i'll just do some stretches i might not even have discovered and then as i switched and then i bought bone broth and more animal food and stopped having all these green things that healed right so the pain is gone and my bones have again found the nutrients that so they needed so you think we need animal we do we do need animal and i'll talk about that also but so oxalates is one then the other kind of anti nutrients are um, these things called phytates and tannins so these again bind to iron so a lot of people end up with iron deficiency anemia because they eating so much spinach in the hope of getting iron but that spinach itself has phytates and then a lot of your uh, even dals and pulses na they have uh, these things called protease inhibitors so protease is an enzyme that's required to digest protein and you're eating dals and pulses because you're a vegetarian and you want protein but the dals and pulses themselves have protease inhibitors so they're preventing that enzyme like they're preventing the protein from being digested, digested. because the protease itself is getting inhibited hmm. so plants are pretty smart mm-hmm. <laughs> they have figured out how to not get eaten right but we don't understand that intelligence that's there in nature so plants have a lot of anti nutrients So if you had to ask me which ones to keep out of your diet right so i'd say like this is contradictory to every other nutritionist but green leafy vegetables are not required you don't need them i really don't know the origin of why everyone started making them very popular i really have no idea where it happened but i know they're pretty popular now we the kids who come to us are the happiest because we tell them you don't need to eat your vegetables and you can be very happy without vegetables they're like wow and they go and tell their moms like look mom this is what they're telling me But anyway, so you don't need green leafy vegetables. There's a lot of almond milk consumption that's happening now, and almond butter because people are going vegan and they want to avoid dairy. But almonds again are very high in oxalate, so you want to avoid that, right? And um, completely avoid them, or like keep them low. So my approach is like, unless it's absolute poison, don't be afraid of food, even gluten, right? So gluten is something that uh, can trigger gut inflammation in most people. but that doesn't mean that if it's my birthday or if it's somebody's birthday in the team i'm not going to eat a tiny piece of cake i i will because i want to experience like i don't want to live in fear of food right like i'm a human i i i am the apex predator <laughs> on this planet i can't be afraid of plants all the time i just have a healthy respect for them yeah saying okay i know what you're capable of so i'm not going to overdo it yeah but i'm going to find my ways of eating it better right so green leafy vegetables avoid um people think brown rice is better than white rice but actually white rice is better because a lot of the phytate tannins and even the arsenic is more in brown rice than in white rice so white rice is actually better <laughs> so a lot of controversial uh, mm. thoughts coming up here but white rice is better than brown rice and um, what else that i would think people should avoid um the safer vegetables mm. are your gourds pumpkins uh, the dudhis and all of these seasonal stuff. seasonal gourds mm-hmm. that we have i wouldn't really uh, recommend eating too many vegetables to kind of feel healthy mm-hmm. what works better for human health is more of animal pro- like we need protein we need good quality saturated fat okay so you build your plate around that right so eggs or fish or red meat if if you like red meat mm-hmm. and then uh, the fat is mostly ghee butter or coconut oil and then white rice and non gluten grains which could be jowar or bajri or all of these hmm. you mentioned about like you going for 2 years and i think i remember your post that you have written on facebook about 2 years of 
completely, you know, not eating meat. Yeah. To then saying that, you know, okay, I realized that now it's yeah. important that I need to get into the meat, right? But also with the whole vegetarian movement or the vegan, vegan movement, movement yeah. you know, that's that's going on. So, like, what's your thing about like, is it is it possible for somebody to get everything that they their body need no. from plant itself? Or do no, you, you can't. You mm-hmm. really can't. And I'm somebody who did that professionally for two years. I had a lot of professional collaborations that uh, went away when I said that this is just not working. Mm. How did I fall into the vegan trap? One is I really, uh, I didn't want to cause harm to another being. I really didn't. Yeah, right? Like yeah. for my own existence, I thought if I could live without taking a life, it would really be so cool. Yeah. One was that. Secondly, um, it is propaganda. Actually, vegan, there is a lot of, again, money spent on vegan propaganda, right? So mm. there's a lot of, books and documentaries and articles that came about around that time it felt like a you know a big huge wave which was kind of pushing that veganism is healthier veganism is healthier because of uh, the saturated fat in animal foods and all of that and um, see when people came to be or even when i was making a change uh, when you take somebody off the standard diet that they're on which could be processed foods ordering in eating a lot of seed oils eating sugar and when you just even for three months if you put them on let's say a whole food plant-based thing which is like whole plant-based things without outside food without processed food they are going to feel better Mm. so that short-term impact of making that lifestyle change sometimes gets attributed to veganism but if you follow veganism for long like there are so many people like uh, who like you know stop being vegan after the first two years Mm. so many so many like so many converts because beyond six months, beyond like one year, the vegan diet will start showing its problems itself, right? So deficiencies start building up, all of these anti-nutrients start building up. You'll start losing muscle mass, you'll start losing bone mass. Your immunity can actually come down because you don't even have the basic nutrients that you need to keep your immune systems up. The one thing I was doing for myself was because I was doing blood tests so often, right? I could see deficiencies were happening. Now, I also had this cognitive dissonance that I was practicing something and I didn't want to change that. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, TK, if I'm not getting iron from food, I'll just take a supplement. Yeah. If I'm not getting protein, I'll just take a protein powder for it. So, slowly, 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 my kitchen cabinet was more supplements and like... Less food. Food was like, okay, I'm eating, but then I had to also take so many supplements along with it. And I was like, something is going wrong, right? If I'm taking so many supplements and my blood work is still showing deficiencies. And then same thing was happening with clients because... When, when somebody signs up with us for three months, okay, we are supporting them. But afterwards also, they keep getting their blood work done every six months or so. And I could see deficiencies were building up. And then uh, Johan, whom we both know of, he also came into the picture. So he also had been a vegan for a year. And because he's such a deep researcher, he went into it because it wasn't working for his body either. And then he started sharing uh, information with me, right? Like research papers and articles and I decided to let go of the identity that I was holding as a whole food plant-based nutritionist. Like, okay, what if I'm wrong? Right. And then when I explored and I saw that, okay, maybe there is some merit to the fact that animal foods are part like, and they've been part of our ancient cultures. Right. So I went back and included that. First, I started with myself and I felt good immediately, Bijay, like immediately. Right. So there was this little bit of guilt guilt or whatever, sadness. Uh, and also when you're vegan, you have a very high level of moral superiority. You think you're better than everybody else on this planet because you're, not because you're anyone. Like yeah. vegan. Hmm. So I had to let go of that moral superiority. And then I decided that um, 
if i'm going to eat meat i'm going to go to the butcher myself and uh, like procure it like i'm not going to shy away from the process i'm going to deal with whatever feelings come to me right so i went and i bought so that was difficult but uh, when i ate it i started feeling better so post workout recovery was much faster my ability to lift more and more weight went up so i could see immediate changes in my body right and so when you say meat what kind of meat do you eat like do you eat mutton, chicken or mutton mostly mm-hmm. uh, and uh, wherever whichever state it's still legal then i also eat beef when i travel but mutton mostly eggs every day and uh, seafood like maybe on weekends or maybe twice a week but that's what i eat so my diet is mostly eggs mutton rice and fruits okay hmm and how about nuts nuts again have the same the seed oil right so too many omega 6 fatty acids so you could occasionally eat a nut or two but if you're eating nuts like every day as a snack then your omega 6 ka ratio again is going up without realizing it right so for a lot of people we cut out nuts na and they are like but these are healthy yeah. and then we'll be like it's just the omega 6 thing about it and then when we remove them automatically the body starts so things like nuts and all occasionally you can eat them you don't mm. need to like like i said be afraid of yeah. any food mm. but, but not on your day, daily diet not on a daily basis oh. you don't need them on a daily basis mm. so fruits fruits are absolutely cool your fruits fruits meat animal protein animal protein ghee, if you eat butter uh, rice is what i eat so either rice ki jo roti hoti hai like bhakri right that or just white rice is what i eat and uh, yeah yeah so you mentioned about uh, bhakri rice ki roti Haan. right so what's the problem with gehu ki roti so wheat has something called as gluten and gluten uh, is something so um, you know how your clothes brushes right so if you take a clothes brush and gisofy something right it's going to start getting eroded gluten does that to our small intestine so for most people uh they don't even know that they are actually having a gluten issue until they eliminate it and then they don't eat it for a month or two and when they eat it they realize how it for me what gluten does is it makes me gain weight immediately like my body tells me no don't eat this by weight going up for a lot of people it causes things like constipation gas and bloating some people it actually makes them very lethargic and tired so gluten is something that's inflammatory to your gut it really erodes your gut lining and reduces the absorptive surface so if the absorptive surface of a small intestine is reduced then other nutrients also don't get absorbed and sometimes long term exposure to gluten can create something called as leaky gut which is where in your small intestine there'll be uh, start leaking in yeah, your bloodstream bloodstream and mm. that can create autoimmune conditions gluten also has this ability to mimic so when it comes to autoimmune conditions like uh, the thyroid right hashimotos and all of that the thyroid tissue and the gluten molecule look pretty identical structurally so your body might be actually trying to attack gluten but it ends up attacking the thyroid tissue so oh. we've seen that autoimmune conditions do so well once we eliminate gluten from uh, people's diet so gluten is like that but again like i was very afraid of gluten for 2 years because i had an autoimmune hashimoto then i reversed it and i was like gluten is my nemesis like kryptonite so i'll never touch gluten but um, 2020 was a difficult year for most of us right for me it was extra difficult because i also was like doing a court case for my daughter's custody and all and really emotionally it was really horrible so at that time if i felt like eating um what did i eat i ate a cake or something right and i was like okay i didn't die <laughs> i'm alive so i don't need to be afraid of 
this anymore, right? So that fear of gluten kind of went away. So now you can eat it occasionally, but you have to know your individual tolerance. Like if I eat it every day, my weight is going to go back. Like mm. I know, right? So, so, but this is the country of roti. Roti, in but the yeah, roti and it was not yeah. there before, right? Okay. Hmm. So roti came mostly with British colonization. Wheat wasn't our main crop. Wheat came part of also the Green Revolution when uh, they had there was this major famine condition that happened, right? So Canada, US sent wheat as a cash crop that you plant this, this will grow quickly. With the British, it was mostly bread, and bread and power were very elitist. So, like if you look at Maharashtrian households, it was mostly bakris, right? Jowar, bajra, and rice. Down south, it was always rice. Up north, it was mostly maka. Like wheat was never really there until uh, British and the Green Revolution happened. It was not. So, what happens to us and our parents is we think just because we've seen it in our lifetime, it's part of our traditional diet. But if you go back one more generation, na, it's actually not part of our traditional diet. Seed oils, wheat, sugar, none of these. Yeah, I think people who are listening to this are like, oh my god, this is this is a lot of change coming my my way. <laughs> I know, right? And see, the thing is, like, mainstream will be like eat brown bread instead of white bread. Yeah, high fiber, add wheat bran to your rotis, but uh, don't like this is cutting edge uh, nutrition, Vijay. Like, see, it wasn't even there in India until I. For myself, I discovered and I started bringing it in, right? So in the US, it's really gone beyond what we understand of nutrition. Sometimes I feel, actually, that's why we also started the academy. We wanted to really teach nutritionists, right? Like you have really bright people graduating from college doing seven years of like a specialization and they've been taught the wrong stuff and people are going to them for their diet plans and like not everyone is going to come to thrive, right? But what about the people who are going to others? Why can't we teach them what is right nutrition? and uh, that that's why the academy is it so now that we have you know covered a lot on the food aspect and i think more or less uh, you know i sort of took away from the food perspective these are the few things that i should be yeah. paying attention to right from the oil that i'm going to use to oh i've realized like oh now um i have my oatmeal in the morning with the seeds in it like i'm going to take off the is oatmeal still Oat, okay oats are okay oats are okay right thank you thanks for that so i was like okay my <laughs> breakfast is gone <laughs> for a toss but then i realized okay i can just take off the seed from it and it's still good yeah, to yeah. go which is which is nice i'll, I'll stick to the basin you, you don't need eggs is it um yeah. Uh, I have recently stopped it. Now you making Please, me like, rethink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. And also the reason that uh, eggs and even the chicken, for that matter, is the amount of steroids and the yeah. you know, that's the that's the. So for me hmm. also with chicken, I still uh, never am sure. With eggs, what again? Because I've gone local hmm. and I've actually gone and spoken yeah. to farmers in yeah. my area and all. Now I've been able to source. So these are farmers who have one or two hens at home and then they lay eggs. So then they come together at that village while square and then they bring the eggs together to Pune. Chicken, I'm still not sure, right? So at least with the eggs, I know that these are absolute desi, uh, grass-fed, grain-fed, open range. And I was telling my parents about like the, you know, don't eat the chicken and stuff. Now I'm realizing the chicken that they have is like a locally produced uh, chicken. Like, you know, so like good. even at one point of time, we used to have some chicken like raised in our own Your thing own and we know right? that you know what they are eating you know they are just so feeding the wounds and stuff like this is traditional stuff that so, we yeah. lost right hmm. most of us used to have cows most of us used to have chickens running around and uh, like even my grandmom's village na, there was a rivulet like a river thing running so there'd be like river fish also they'd catch with no pollutants and all in that right so they were very close to eating what was right for their body 
Yeah. So now that we have covered about the food aspect, let's look at the lifestyle. What are the other yeah. things? Like, okay, if I'm eating right, I'm sure that's not enough, right? So no. I might be eating right, but what are the other factors that I should be paying attention to? So let's let's start with like from the time you wake up. Okay. So one of the things that we even get everyone who comes to iThrive to do is get more sunlight exposure. And it's very easy. It's free, right? You don't need to do anything. You just need to consciously make a note of that. So within one hour of waking, ideally go get sunlight exposure as much as possible. So like, you know, minimal clothing and sunlight exposure. Because what that sun, so people think sun is just about vitamin D, but sun is about so much more. One is it resets your circadian rhythm, yeah. which is your wake up and sleep cycle. Even if like people are getting sick, na, virals and all, if you get sunlight exposure, sun actually boosts your immunity. So... Vitamin D, so it does only. Yeah. Uh, your cells are like little photoreceptors. Your your yeah. hand, like skin tissue itself, and that also alters. Like it really changes your mood. It does so many things. Also, you get exposed to more of what is called as far infrared light through sunlight, because now the ratio of uh, blue light to infrared light has gone completely. Yeah. Right? Most of us are indoors, and like we're doing a lot of work in the evenings with our tube lights and yellow lights. I mean, white lights on. So when you get more sun exposure. Ideally, through the day, you should keep going into the sun. But at least if you do it first thing in the morning, you're giving your body a very good dose of that uh, infrared uh, light. Itself. And also it helps you set your biological clock. Biological. That's like yeah. the basic thing. Yeah. It's a circadian clock. Right? Yeah. So first thing is sunlight. Yeah. So you, and also just I want to, yeah. you know, add one thing to the whole sun, sunlight thing. Right. I was listening to Hubo Man Lab oh and God, he was talking about. Yeah, amazing he, guy. Yeah, amazing guy. Right. So I was listening to him talk about the sunlight. And one thing that he said sort of stuck with me and I was just paying attention to. Right. He said like animals instinctively in the morning know that they need to get sunlight. Yes. Right. And I've been observing my dog. Like I just opened the door of balcony and she goes out and she stays there for like 15 yeah. to 20 minutes. Like on balcony, she just sits there. Yeah. And like, it's very interesting to see that, I, you know, animals instinctively know that. This, hmm. uh, uh, somebody had made like a, uh, whatever that fast clip, what, time lapse, mm, time, time lapse. lapse. Thing. Mm. So this person had a lot of cats mm. and they kept a camera. So mm. through the window, yeah. there were like two panels of sun that would, that was moving through the day. Yeah. So these cats, nah, like because they did time lapse, yeah. otherwise you wouldn't even notice yeah, this behavior, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Because yeah. they did time lapse, they could see that through the day, these cats and cats are generally always just lazing around. Yeah, nah, yeah, they're yeah. Like just sitting. Hmm. So through the day, these cats were like literally following the sunlight ah, wherever it was going, right? Wow. And most animals, the animals anyway are without clothing. They're yeah. usually in the sun. Like animals know. Mm. humans also are animals we just try to civilize ourselves yeah. that's why we lost track of mm. our natural yeah. history so sunlight is the first thing then we also look at water consumption right because often a lot of illnesses are caused by not having enough water like dehydration see at a cellular level even if you look at biochemistry you know, at the electron transport chain also you need water so if you're not drinking enough water if your cells are dehydrated it's very hard for your body to function the way it's supposed to function so water consumption is something we track more or less, we tell people have around two liters of water, though we are running a study to see actually how much water do Indians need. Like eight glasses of water, right? Or like, do you need lesser in monsoon? Do you need more in summers? Do you need more in Delhi summers, lesser in Pune summers? Because each city has its own weather. So we're doing studies on that. But water is the second thing that we uh, get people to kind of drink. And now we've learned that it's not just water, but you need your electrolytes also with water. So your salt and potassium. Uh, if you can add that salt, potassium and magnesium, if you can add that to your water and drink, it's actually more hydrating than just plain water. The third thing that we talk to people about and get them to start practicing is breath work. 
Now, I discovered the power of breathwork in LPS only. Until then, even I wasn't really practicing breathwork, breathwork, right? But I think it was Neeraj Naik who was there yeah. at the LPS that I had yeah. come to. Yeah, I've heard him on the show as well. Yeah, so, you yeah. had him on the yeah, show. Yeah, 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 amazing yeah. guy. So, he introduced me to the power of breathwork. And what I realized is most people are actually doing shallow breathing, yeah. chest breathing. We're not even taking full breaths. And again, at a cellular level, you need O2 for that final uh, ETC chain to complete. So breathwork is something. So we bring that practice in, even in our three-month program, right? So if if you guys who are watching, you can go watch the Neeraj Naik podcast and yeah. I'm sure he's given a lot of yeah, tips yeah, on absolutely a lot of there, it, right? Yeah. Then the fourth thing that we look at is um, supplementation, mostly from the perspective of if your diet is missing certain nutrients. Now, let's say you are a vegan for whatever reasons, right? And you're not going to change or you're uh, for religious reasons or in your family you were brought up as a vegetarian. What are we going to do then about the nutrients that are missing from your diet, right? Where are you going to get your omega-3s from? Where are you going to get your B-complex from, right? So then supplements play an important role in ensuring that you get all the nutrients your body needs. Because even if you're eating the best kind of food, but like vitamin D, I take every day. Magnesium, I take every day. Because no matter how good the quality of my food, even I don't get as much time in sunlight as much as I think I need to get for my body to make vitamin D. So I get these nutrients through supplements. Then the other thing that is again, so supplements, you pay a price, like you have to buy supplement, but breathing, sunlight, water is all free. Then the other free thing is meditation, right? And then meditation, I can't tell you how important it is when it comes to the entire process of helping someone heal. Because that allows you to access your mind and your emotions and heal that stuff also those layers i will we'll speak about that if you have the time but those layers are very important as well and movement that's the fifth thing so when i say movement people say like do i have to exercise to lose weight right so weight loss often is a uh, outcome of you fixing your internal biochemistry but that doesn't diminish the importance of movement through the day and um, like my trainer in fact is very great like he's super in his approach to movement he says, like, let, why can't it be play? Like, look at kids. You don't need to tell kids to exercise. Yeah. Go exercise for an hour yeah. now, right? They mm. are just playful. Look at mm. animals. They are playful. They're moving all yeah. the time. Unless they're sick, they're not really sitting. Mm. Or unless it's opposite of their cycle, right? Like, mm. cats are active in the night. They're yeah. sleeping in the day. Mm. So, humans also should be moving like that. That's what we were designed for. Mm. We were supposed to walk long distances, Go and hunt, and, hunt yeah. gather, mm. forage. We mm. were designed for that. So, in our working day also, let's get in more movement. So while exercise is important, what is more important, like you can't do one hour of exercise and 23 hours be sedentary. You'd rather do half an hour of exercise, but move every one and a half, two hours, do something else. So movement is important. Uh, it also keeps your body agile, right? Like you just you feel, feel energetic. You feel yeah, energetic you. when you're moving. Mm. So these are the things that we look at. Mm. And then... Um, Apart from food, I think these are the yeah. factors that one needs to take into consideration mm. for real health. Yeah. So you mentioned about uh, taking care of your mind equally as much as you are taking care of your body, also take care of your yeah. mind, right? So if I'm eating right and doing things, but if I'm messed up in my mind, like, you know, the whole mind-body connection bit. It's mm. it's such a big piece. I mean, that's the work I do. And uh, it's not just mind and body. It's also like, mind and your emotions mm. and your soul yeah. itself right mm. because these are different things people think mind and emotions are the yeah. same thing but mind to me at least my understanding of it so far is so your body is like your hardware yeah. 
you have a brain you have a heart that's pumping in all of that but there's a operating system that's telling this hardware mm. what to do yeah right so that mind is your os right and that os can be at a conscious level mm. like you are aware of what you're doing then it can be at a subconscious level which mm. is you know memories and like uh, things that you already learned yeah. you don't need to like i know how to speak mm. i don't have to struggle to speak yeah. right but if i have to like play a guitar i'll struggle a lot because i don't have to do that and third is the unconscious stuff like your actual unconscious repressed shadow material that uh, like so kalyang spoke of the shadow material for the mm. first time but that's really stuff that's trauma uh things that you don't want to look at about yourself yeah your repressed emotions all of that right mm. so your mind also has these three layers mm. and then there's emotions mm. which are one thing on their own only right like feelings the energy yeah. so i i call emotions as energy in motion yeah it's really that right yeah. like it's it's energy that's moving through your body yeah. at any given point of time that's creating different different experiences for you now based on what is there in your mind your emotions can do different things if you have a lot of patterns for let's say fear and anxiety driven by your past experiences then your emotional state is also going to be in those loops only right so it's going to be very hard for you to experience gratitude and love and peace and joy because while you theoretically understand these emotions are important getting yourself to feel them is going to be difficult because your mind is stuck in different loops and then there's your soul right which is like another conversation altogether so i honestly think that all three are supposed to be in service of your soul Your your emotions, your mind, and your body—they are supposed to be in service of your soul, and your soul is like this divine fragment of the supreme consciousness. That's like your unique thumb. Like God decided, okay, I just want to see what I would be like if I was Bijay, and let me make a Bijay who's going to be this amazing person who's going to bring about so many great uh, speakers and like bring stories out, and is going to be the storyteller. Now, if you had decided to like continue with the work. like pharmacy that you were doing right mm. i don't know how that was feeling like i we've not mm. spoken about yeah. that but i'm pretty sure it did not feel as good it as didn't. it feels of to you now right? yeah so your soul's design is to do this work of storytelling and bringing narratives and your body supports you in that mm. you have the energy yeah. your mind supports you in that your ability to create relationships and connections supports you in that so you are like literally living in service of your soul and that's why you are happy but a lot of people forget their soul's call and they live in service of society and society's conditions hmm. emis hmm. and loans and yeah and, and also it's interesting that you say you know uh, finding that something that you really enjoy and i yeah. heard uh, mike making i hope i'm saying his name even though he was guest of the podcast so where he has written a book called huga you know okay. like where the concept of happiness because he studied the people in the in denmark and the in those countries where like people are generally happy mm-hmm. why is it that you know They're like always the happiness index of these countries scandinavian countries it's like always like top countries and then he studied that and then one of the core strong thing that he mentioned on you know in in this podcast itself was like these people 
also like the thing about like what is it that they really enjoy doing yeah finding their purpose was one of the core reasons of why they were really happy it's not that because these countries are really developed and they have all right. the facilities and everything but also they do what they really enjoy. what what they really like to do yeah. and also a lot of these scandinavian countries are mm. centered around community yeah that's so that community too, yeah. is a very mm. big piece right that mm. sense of belongingness yeah. and that sense of being able to do something for other humans yeah. is a pivotal at least for me i know that's a very so i have this ability to help people heal like through my own journey and through my own knowledge right but just having that ability doesn't satisfy me as much as actually uh, making a difference making with a difference. that ability yeah. right so that's what that and the more i live in truth with that ability the more the world around me just rewards me yeah. for it yeah and then i'm happier right if i start going into identities that are away from this which mm. is what i did for the first few years yeah. of my like 38 years i try i lived a life that society said i should be living yeah. get married have a child do a job and do this and like i did that i wasn't happy right like to the degree that i went into clinical depression versus what i do now and i don't need any extrinsic motivation to wake up and get out of bed right like i i wake up because i i'm just glad i have one more day to do this work so i think that right like really being in alignment with your soul is eventually what gives your body the energy to do everything it's supposed to but a lot of people don't have connections across these three hmm we see them as completely this. different yeah. parts or most of the case like we even completely overlook like overlook the it. emotion thing that you know i i feel a lot of us just ignore it because we don't want to feel we don't want to face it we don't want to feel it yeah. most of us are mm. uh, you know uh, like addict searching for happiness yeah. and joy yeah and avoid the avoid the deeper darker yeah. pains mm. right but mm. if you can't feel pain how can you feel happiness mm. you have mm. to, like only when you have the contrast of mm-hmm. either can you feel fully yeah. and then that's and it's very difficult for you to like come in. you know face the emotions that you have because you know one random morning like something from the childhood came up and i'm like oh my god like this this is something that so happened last week right so we've been given tools yeah, that's that's yeah, the problem right? so like last week something from childhood came up and then i realized oh my god there is sh- so much shame that i felt at that period and it never came to me but now all of a sudden it came up and then i realized so what that, did you do then? that you know so i needed that i i went to the meditation and then i have this particular practice where i go and sort of do this uh, talk to the child version of me ah. where i said that hey you know what i realized that what you needed at that point of time when you were feeling that shame as a child is a little bit of a compassion and understanding from the people so you around you reparented yourself yeah so reparented myself and yeah. obviously you know um, and uh, so that is something that i try and do and then you know i'm not sure if that completely healed or not but that's all out of nowhere that came and i but felt you like at least allowed yourself I, to feel the yeah, emotion right yeah. a lot of people they, people don't want to feel guilt people don't want to feel shame people don't want to feel anger anger only they will allow themselves to feel when they feel entitled to their anger like when yeah. they can actually express that anger yeah. on somebody yeah. who might not be able to revert mm. resort retort mm. back right but people don't want to feel all of these what they call as negative emotions mm. there are no negative emotions mm. there are emotions vibrating at different frequencies yeah. and every emotion is yours only mm. it's it's coming to you because it's called out your attention because something needs addressing like a symptom yeah like a headache happens because your body is trying to tell you something every emotion also is coming because your soul is trying to communicate something to you right hmm. maybe you are ready to up level and go to the next level of who you are and you just need to heal these aspects of yourself and reparent 
one of your inner children that yeah. felt shame at yeah. some point of time yeah. or maybe there's an identity of you that doesn't serve you anymore yeah. and you just have to let go let of that go identity, of that identity right? because yeah. that identity might just be holding you down pulling you back but unless you feel what is happening to you you're never going to be really able to heal right so people often try to suppress emotions with food i did that to myself also that's why i became 97 kgs actually because i was stuck in that entire construct of what society wanted me to be i was very unhappy so i was using food as my escape people use substances smoking alcohol and all right so alcohol people used to numb it like numb emotions big time mm. and often it has the reverse effect like they become more expressive <laughs> during that yeah. that drinking spree mm. and then they don't even remember the things that they said but mm. so people use these substances which harm their body which can create disease because they don't want to feel a certain part of themselves right or the mind might get really messed up because of something that happened now instead of seeking help or instead of like finding the tools that will help you sort out your mind and organize it and compartmentalize it you might not know what to do yeah. with that chaos right like a cupboard that uh, has clothes falling out of yeah. it and you don't know how to fold clothes and yeah. keep them in their yeah. place so you'll just keep closing that cupboard yeah. door yeah but that's that <laughs> that very apt example yeah. yeah and then every time you open that door a little bit also everything will fall everything out will right fall then you'll out, just yeah. quickly take and put it back but so much energy is wasted in that keeping things shut and then that energy that gets wasted for your mind and your emotions your body is paying the price for it right so sometimes disease like so many times i've seen cancer cases that come to us they have so much repressed anger so much right from childhood they've never been allowed to express their anger and it's all gotten and got gotten locked in their body and if you give them manifested the right into something yeah mm. right so you that's what healing is healing is not so while functional medicine is great because it keeps things very objective and at a bodily level i can really look at tests and find out what's going on and to one level really bring about healing in the body true healing is when the mind and the emotions and everything starts integrating right wow so for a lot of people they hold themselves like with weight i've seen this even in my case often i would gain weight when i started feeling threatened mm. right too many bullies in life ah. or too many things where i didn't know how to protect wow. myself or set boundaries so my body would expand mm. that would become the armor wow right <laughs> yeah Crazy. so you you and i've seen this with a lot of people who tend to gain weight is often they don't know how to set boundaries or they don't know how to like tell the people in their life to like stop messing with them so one is you're eating food to kind of numb those emotions but also see there are a lot of people who eat a lot of food but they're still thin not everyone who eats a lot of food automatically gains weight right the people who really feel threatened and insecure and afraid but don't know how to respond to that are the ones who kind whose bodies kind of start armoring up i've seen that with weight i've seen people who have identity issues right like an existential crisis itself the gut starts going for a toss because your identity is centered in this chakra and this space right like even as a fetus when you form first your spine forms and then your gut also forms simultaneously so brain spine gut these are the things that form so your identity is often centered here now if you end up with like existential crisis or identity crisis or you're living a life that you don't want to is not in sync with who you, you truly are gut yeah issues, right? mm. so so it's so vast it's yeah. so vast and every uh, human is a jigsaw puzzle yeah 
So I think there's a lot that we can go and yeah. you know clearly we can go on and on, on but and on. I think I in know. the uh, you know um, so maybe we'll stop here and next time you are in Delhi we are doing definitely another episode because <laughs> I see there's a lot that you have loose ends that yeah. you have left uh, yeah. which we are going to cover in the next episode of this podcast. But if people are going through something and if they need you or your team to sort of find help out. them so, uh, how where can they find so the website is ithrivin.com uh, people can go there and book a consult either with me or someone from the team if they want to look up the kind of work we've done and testimonials and all that we do have a pretty decent instagram uh, handle so the instagram handle also is ithrive underscore in uh, and that's where the other handle so the academy supplements everything is there but the website is ithrivin.com yeah, and i think that's, that's the best place to that's go that's your place and i'll yeah. put that in the description and uh, you know before i let you go i'd like to mention that you know while you know we have met at that event and after that i know that you've been doing good stuff i kept seeing your updates and then you know a friend of mine came to me and said that hey you know what i'm dealing with this thyroid issue and uh, do you know anyone who can help me and then i said i think uh, you know i think i know someone maybe why don't you talk to mukda <laughs> and thank you so much for and, that and uh, you know just uh, have a conversation with her and see where it goes and then the next thing that i hear is like hey you know what i love what they are doing so much so i'm going to give this a shot so i'm going to sign up for the three months uh, sort of a, you know reset plan that mukda and her team designed and a uh, few weeks back she came to me saying that hey you know vijay i'm so grateful that you've introduced me to mukda because i've started you know seeing a lot of changes in yeah, my yeah, body she and did really know, well mm. and her body responded yeah beautifully actually i did a live mm. with her also because yeah. like i do this oh, nice. once once mm. a month i call it the wellness warrior yeah. show so people who really like embrace the yeah. warrior within themselves to kind yeah. of take care of their health yeah the and show. also she mentioned that uh, she got her parents yeah, on the yeah, yeah. you know because she loved it so too. much which is which is amazing you know i think that's a great testimonial to um, so you know for have me, so that's how a, the business also yeah. has grown it's, yeah. it's really grown through referrals yeah. and that's why i i have such a huge focus on community mm. because mm. you know one person heals mm. it starts creating a ripple of health yeah, around absolutely. them right? so they want their family they want yeah. their friends to kind yeah. of heal so. absolutely So it's thank it's, you so much for everything that you're doing and I uh, really appreciate you taking over. this time it's, here it's, this is a really great conversation i'm sure there's i mean for me personally there's a lot to take from this <laughs> conversation and i love this uh, you know um the conversation thank you so much uh, for being here and sharing your wisdom with us thank you for inviting me vijay i i am i am honored that i am here with you talking about this for me it, it just feels like i just want to talk more about you know it's not that difficult to get your health back and to reclaim your life and even the 3 month program we call it alive right like we just want you to feel alive like what does it mean to be a alive human being so thank you so much for inviting me over and bringing my voice out so hey thank you so much for listening to this episode if you enjoyed listening to this i want you to do two things for me number 1 if you are listening to this on apple podcasts or spotify subscribe to the podcast and give five star ratings this will help me attract more listeners to this podcast and take this information to a wider audience so that we can help more people grow in their life and second share this episode with at least 3 people in your network who you think need to hear this episode you never know just by sharing this episode you can help them transform their life be that person who helps other grow in their life. Thanks again for listening to this episode. I'll catch you in the next. Now, go out there and do something inspiring.